Okay, brothers and sisters, that praises be to our living Abba for again assembling each and every one of us together. We have a lot planned to tell you today. You probably saw the post, exciting good news. We do have good news and we will reserve that towards the probably the middle part of our study today because right now we are studying, we are studying the history of God's people. We are in the book of Numbers. Last week, we left off with the rebellion. Remember how Korah rebelled against God and the priesthood that God has set up for his people. And because of that rebellion, so many people perished. This is why what we need to do is to find a way so that we will know how to respect and give reverence to God's way of conducting or establishing authority for the people whom he loves. And so for Yahuwah to fix this problem of rebellion, because for some reason, the people of Israel back then, they had this tendency, right, to rebel against their leaders, to rebel against Yahuwah God. And so Yahuwah knows what Moses is feeling. And so what does he teach Moses to do? So that once and for all, this bickering and complaining, this rebellious attitude concerning the priesthood, concerning the authority of Moses and Aaron will be put to a stop. Let's read the book of Numbers, chapter 17, 1 down to 2. And Yahuwah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's house. Twelve rods, write each man's name on his Ron. And so what is Yahuwah's instruction to Moses so that the rebellion, this tendency to question authority concerning the priesthood established by Yahuwah God through Aaron and his descendants will be put to a stop. Yahuwah said to Moses, okay, this is what you're going to do. Collect 12 rods. Where will they collect 12 rods from? From each of the leaders of the houses. And so each man who is the leader of each tribe is to give Moses a rod. And what are they to write on the name of the rod? The leader's name. You see, Yahuwah God is setting up a test. And he wants to demonstrate to the people of Israel once and for all his chosen servant. And so he says, go ahead and collect the 12 rods. There are 12 leaders. And Yahuwah is going to reveal the one that he will choose to lead the people of Israel. So after getting the 12 rods or instructing Moses to collect the 12 rods, what else does he instruct Moses to do? Verse 3, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for, for the head of each father's house. And so among the 12 rods, there is a rod that belongs to the tribe of Levi, whose name was written on that rod, the name of Aaron. So he was a candidate, one of the 12. Yahuwah is going to reveal who among the 12 is his chosen leader. Now, what does the rod represent in the first place? You probably noticed throughout scripture the rod symbolized or represented something. What did that stand for? Let's read the book of Exodus 4, 1 to 5. Then Moses answered and said, 
But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, Yahuwah has not appeared to you. So Yahuwah said to him, what is in that in your hand? He said, he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then Yahuwah said to Moses, reach out, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that Yahuwah, God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Who is known for having or possessing a rod? A leader by the name of Moses. At this point, Yahuwah God is telling Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, right? Now here's Moses. Who am I? I mean, what do I have? What am I going to say? And so Yahuwah God says, you have something in your hand. What is that? A rod. You're going to use that rod. Why? Because that rod will represent his authority. This is why Yahuwah God says, this will prove that you have been sent by me, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so through that rod, Moses had his authority. And so the rod was a symbol of authority that God gives to the chosen servant, to his leader. Now, what else is symbolized by the rod? Let's read the book of Exodus 14 and 16. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go, go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now, who is the one referred to there who is holding a rod? Again, that's who? Moses, right? And what was he instructed to do? To lift up the rod over the Red Sea so that it will be divided. Therefore, that rod also symbolized the power of God. And when it comes to the power of God, what can that do? It can do miraculous things. It can do the impossible, like part the Red Sea. What else was that rod able to do? Exodus 17, 9, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. You see, that rod also represented God's power. And so when they had to fight the Amalekites, how were they able to defeat the Amalekites, even though they were not trained to fight at this point? It was through the power of God. What was the key to victory? It was not their physical power, but it was Moses raising his hands, right? Raising the rod. And when he did that, they were beating the Amalekites. If you still remember our Bible study regarding this incident. And so we can see that the rod represents authority. It represents the power of God. What else does the rod represent? Psalm 23, 1 to 4, Yahuwah is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So what does the rod also symbolize? 
or represent. It also represents pastoral care. For example, Yahuwah is depicted here as what? As a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Takes care of the sheep. We, the people of God, are likened to sheep. We have someone to turn to who will care for us. A shepherd. This is why the rod, the Bible says, is also a symbol of pastoral care because that rod gives comfort, it gives leadership, and it restores. And so the rod represents, number one, authority from God. Number two, the power of God. Number three, pastoral care. And so in this test in the book of number 17, it was a test concerning whom God will choose to have authority and power to take care of the people of God. And so they collected 12 rods, right? What will they do with the 12 rods? What will Moses do with the 12 rods that he is to collect? Number 1745, then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I, where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus, I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. So what was the test? What did Jehovah say for Moses to do after he collects the 12 rods? To place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony. And what does Jehovah God say will reveal the chosen leader? Who will lead his people. What did Yahuwah God say? He says the rod of the man. Whom I choose will. Blossom. Right. And so they're going to place it inside the tabernacle. And when the rod. Which is really a branch. When the rod begins to blossom. Whoever's rod blossoms. That's the chosen leader of God. So that's the test. That's the setup. Right. And so when Moses receives this instruction, what does he do? Number 17, 6 to 7. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's houses, 12 rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before Yahuwah in the tabernacle of witness. So Moses followed instructions. He collected the 12 rods. From the 12 leaders, 12 leaders of each of the tribes and houses, and he placed the rods before Yahuwah in the tabernacle. And so after this, what happened the, the next day? Let's read Numbers 17, 8 to 9. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms, and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods from before Yahuwah to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. Isn't that amazing? The following day, or the next day, when Moses went back to the tabernacle of witness, what was very surprising? What stood out to him? All the other rods were bare, except for one. You see, Yahuwah God wanted to make his choice of a leader very clear, undisputable. Am I right? 
So what stood out? What was distinct about that one rod that was noticed by Moses? It was the rod of Aaron. The rod of Aaron sprouted and put forth buds, produced blossoms, and here it is. It yielded ripe almonds. What does that mean? It's a miracle. An obvious choice from God was revealed, and it's not anyone else except for who? Aaron. Aaron was the chosen one. And now Moses has the proof to show to the people of Israel. And so because of this, what did the what did Moses, Yahuwah say to Moses to do? Let's read number 17, 10 to 11, or 12 to 13. This is what it says. Uh, so the children, oh, 10 to 11. And Yahuwah said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses just as Yahuwah had commanded him, so he did. And so the rod of Aaron was placed inside the Ark of the Covenant, right? Remember there are three things in the Ark of the Covenant? What were they? The tablet, an omer of manna, and this staff, this rod of Aaron. It was placed in the tabernacle in the uh, Ark of the Covenant. Why? So that they can receive a sign that they must not question the authority that Yahuwah God gave Aaron. Because what he gave Aaron is the priesthood. And the priesthood that was central. It was the core of what the people of Israel did. Because without the priesthood, there would be no people of God. Because it is because of the priesthood that we receive forgiveness of sins. The priesthood that we are able to approach God, give sacrifices to him, and worship the living God. So without the priesthood, we have nothing. Without the priesthood, we are doing but rituals. This is why it's so important that they grasp and understand what it means to have this priesthood that was given to Aaron. And so because of this, did the people of Israel learned their lesson, 12 to 13. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses saying, surely we die. We perish. We all perish. Whoever even comes near the tabernacle of Yahuwah must die. Shall we utterly die? In short, they were repentant. And for a while, we don't know how long this is going to last, but they know how to respect now the boundaries that God has set. They recognize the priesthood that was given to Aaron. So the rod represents the authority from God, the power of God, and pastoral care. And the rod of Aaron represented priestly authority. Is that important? Yes. How important was the priesthood of Aaron? Let's go now to the Christian era. The book of Hebrews 5, 1 to 4. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes his honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. What was the priesthood that was given to Aaron. Bible says he was given the office of what? High 
priest, as high priest, what is his privilege? Once a year, he gets to go where? Into the most holy place to offer a sacrifice for himself and also for the people that their sins be forgiven and they be cleansed, purified, and be able to worship God and receive the favor of Yahuwah Abba. And so it was a great office, the priesthood, him being the high priest. Because of the greatness of this office, what does the Bible say about it? The Bible says no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. And so Aaron did not choose himself. Who chose him? It was God. Did he deserve to be chosen by God? Did he do anything that merits that he deserves this kind of gift? No, it was by grace. Because as we saw, he also committed sin. Did he not? Remember, he led the building of the, uh, what was that called? What did he lead? The golden calf, right? He had his faults. He had his mistakes. But you know what? Yahuwah God made a choice. And it is Aaron to be high priest. That was during the days of ancient Israel. Well, how about today? During our time, do we also have a high priest? What is your answer? Yes. yes. Who could that be? Is it someone here on earth? Who could the high priest be? We read Hebrews 5, 1 to 4. Let's read now 5 down to 6. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So who is our high priest today during this era, during this time when the end is near? It is Christ. How did Christ become high priest? Bible says he did not choose himself. He did not glorify himself. Who was the one who chose him? It was Yahuwah, right? What did Yahuwah say? You are my son. You are a priest forever. Why? Not only is he a priest, he has a special priesthood. What kind is it? The order of Melchizedek. Not only is it a priesthood in the order of Melchizedek, he is going to be a priest forever. This is why today, who is our high priest? Yahusha. And because he is of the Melchizedek order, who also is our king? Yahusha. You see, that's the uniqueness of the priesthood of Yahusha. It's of the Melchizedek order. It means he's both the high priest and the king forever. We serve our king. His name is Yahusha, who also happens to be our high priest. This is why when it comes to approaching God today, when it comes to worshiping God today, we cannot do that. We cannot approach Yahuwah Abba without Yahushua, our king, because he's our mediator, because he is the high priest and our king. You know how the Bible describes this authority that is to be given to Yahushua? Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, there shall come forth a rod. There's that word again. What does the rod represent again? What is it a symbol of? Power, authority, pastoral care. It is going to be given to someone, right? There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And so according to this prophecy that was pronounced long ago during the days of Isaiah, there's going to be someone who will be the rod 
representing power and authority coming from God. And he is called what? He's also called a branch. Where will he come from? The stem of Jesse. In other words, he will descend from Jesse. This is why he's going to be called the son of David, right? Because David was the son of Jesse. And so this rod, who is a branch, who will have authority and power during our time, what will he do? What will be the purpose of his authority and his power given to him by Yahuwah God? Let's read Zechariah 6, 6 uh, 12 to 13. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says Yahuwah of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch from his place, he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of Yahuwah. Yes, he shall build the temple of Yahuwah. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. This is a prophecy. We know who the fulfillment of this prophecy is, right? Who is that? Who became the fulfillment? Yahushua. Because this prophecy is about someone who is both a priest and a king. A high priest who will sit and rule on his throne. He is called the branch. Why is he called the branch? Because from his place he shall branch out. In other words, from Yahusha's power and authority, we will have a branching out. What does that mean? He will build the temple of Yahuwah. And so in the future, Yahusha is going to do what again? He's going to build a temple. Did you get that? Yahusha, according to the prophecy, by the authority and power given to him by Yahuwah God, he's going to build a temple, right? What kind of temple would that be? And what would be our role in building that temple? Let's find out the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 to 5. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Remember, he's going to build a temple. A temple of God, right? And it's going to have a foundation. Who's a foundation? A cornerstone. It's a living cornerstone. Who is? Yahusha. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, those who are followers of Yahusha, you notice what Apostle Peter says concerning them. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Yahushua Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. And so when the prophecy states that Yahushua, because of the power and authority given to him by God, what will he do? Build a temple. What kind of temple? A spiritual temple. Why is it spiritual temple? Because it's not made of regular stone. <laughs> What kind of stone is it made of? Living stones. It's not built on regular foundation stone. Who is the foundation stone? Yahusha himself. It's a living cornerstone of God's temple. And who are going to be its members? This temple. Bible says that's you. And what is our role in this temple? Bible says you are holy priests. And so we have authority. Through Yahushua's mediation, says there, 
to offer spiritual sacrifices as priests of Yahushua and as living stones of the temple of God. This is why during the Christian era, the focus is not on the physical building. The focus really is on what? The spiritual person, right? I want you to keep that in mind because this is what Yahushua is going to do. He's going to focus on building living stones, a spiritual temple. Isn't this what we are doing? What is our authority to do this? Yahushua, who is our high priest. So if we belong to Yahushua, when we were baptized in Yahushua by his name, guess what? We work together with Yahushua, with his authority. We are able to build this temple. This is why we build and build, right? However, when we build on the temple, when we build up from the, temp uh, the temple of God upon Yahusha as the cornerstone, what should we be careful of? Can we ask that question? Let's find out. The book of Corinthians 3, 9 to 11. We read from Apostle Peter's testimony. Let's go now with Apostle Paul. Does he say the same thing? Does he also say that God's building today is not a physical building? That God's building today is the people? Is that what he also says? Let's read what Apostle Paul teaches, Corinthians 3, 9 to 11, 16 to 17. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Who is the building? The people or the physical stones? It's the people. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, right? But whoever is building on this foundation must be careful oops i made a mistake very careful why for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have yahushua christ don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of god and that the spirit of god lives in you god will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for god's temple is holy and you you are that temple because we are living what? Stones. And so people, when we add people and we build them on Yahusha as the foundation stone, what are we doing? We are building up the temple of God. You get that? And when did we start building up the temple of God? Some two years ago, perhaps. Remember, we started in 2019, we started building the temple of God. Remember? Right? We started building the temple of God. And so we added more and more members to join us to follow Yahuwah, to follow Yahusha. So we have built the temple of God. We are in the process of building that. As more and more people have been built, what does Apostle Paul caution us? Just make sure that when you build upon it, do not build on any other foundation. Who is the only foundation? Yahusha. So this temple that we have been building by the authority that Yahusha has given to us because he's the high priest and we are his priests. We have built already a temple, right? And so when you build a temple, what do you do when it's almost done or when it's done? Kind of dedicate that to God, right? Remember the temple of Solomon? It was dedicated to who? Yahuwah God, right? I don't think we've dedicated the temple yet. Have we? 
during our time? Have we dedicated the temple since we started building? Not yet. I think it's time for us to do that. What do you think? But before we do that, because we are building upon Yahushua as the only cornerstone or foundation stone. When we dedicate that temple, when we refine that temple, what do we need to make sure we are able to uphold? Let's read Acts 4, 10 to 12. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Yahushua Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Yahushua is the one referred to in scriptures where it, is, where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. When we are building this temple upon Yahushua, who is the foundation stone, and we are to dedicate this temple to Yahuwah, our God, what do we need to be certain of? That we will use no other name except the name of who? Yahushua. How powerful is that name? It's the only name given by which we are to be saved. This is why we need to detach ourselves from any other name. When we were building upon Yahushua as the foundation, we were able to legally practice our religion using a different way to legally practice, right? But when the name was revealed to us, when the name Yahushua, the name Yahuwah was revealed to us, what, is that, what does that mean? What do we need to do now? Because the name has already been given to us. Well, we need to officially register as a church that bears the name of Yahushua. Why? Because now that we know that name, there can be no other name. The temple must stand on its own foundation spiritually and now even legally. Do you get that? Because of the powerful name of Yahushua. We cannot be attached to any other name except for the name of Yahushua. Before, we did not know the name, did we? When we started out in this work together, did we know the name? Did we know the name of Yahuwah God? No. Did we know the name of Yahushua? No. It was given to us, gifted to us by Yahuwah God. And now that we know that name, we have a responsibility, right? What is that responsibility? Now that we fully understand the name of the Savior, what must we do? There's a principle here in the book of Corinthians 13, 9 to 10, that's some, that, which is applicable. We can apply it during our situation. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes, these partial things will become what? Useless. You see, ever since we started building the temple of Yahuwah God, we were able to outgrow certain things, right? When the name was revealed to us, we understand fully. And now that we understand fully, the partial things become useless. We no longer need it. This is why today, because we have been given that name, we have the responsibility to promote that name, not to hide that name. Do you get it? We don't want to hide the name of Yahushua. We need to promote the name of Yahushua because it was given to us. We were given the name of Yahushua. We're going to hide it under some other name. 
No, we have to elevate that name because it was given to us now and we have full understanding of that name. What is partial, it becomes useless. This is why we need to register now as a church. We need to register legally and officially as a church bearing the name of Yahushua. The only name that was given for our salvation. But of course, there will be resistance, right? There are people who will say, no, we cannot register as a church. And we ask them, why, why brother? Why, sister, can we not register as a church? You know what their answer is going to be is? 99% of the end, the answer is this. Because they think when we register a church as a church, we are establishing a church. Oh, brother, John's going to build a church. <laughs> right? He established a church. Here's my question for all of you. And I want you to answer this question. Is registering as a church the same thing as establishing a church? What is your answer? I want you to think about that. Because there are people who really think that. When you register as a church, then you establish a church. Is that what it means? No. Why? Well, I want you to consider this question. How many churches did, you, did Lord Yahusha build? How many? Some say one. Some say many. What is it? Well, let's read the book of Matthew 16, verse 18. The one speaking here is Yahusha himself. And he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. How many? Churches did Yahusha build or establish? How many? One, not two. Do you hear that? One. When did Yahusha build that church? When? 1914? When did Yahusha establish or build his church? When? First century, right? On the day of Pentecost, it became official. And so in the first century, Yahushua built his church. That's the only church that was established. This is why when somebody says, oh, if you register a church, you built a church or establish a church, then what would this mean? When Brother Felix Manalo registered as a church in 1914, did he establish a church? <laughs> well, okay. Did uh, Brother Felix Monalo register as a church? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, he even registered as a corporation soul, did he not? Right? 1914. When he registered as a church, a corporation soul, in 1914, did he establish a church? What is your answer? No. So registration doesn't mean what? establishing because if registration means establishing a church then it would mean there are two churches the one Yahusha built and the one Brother Felix Waimanalo built are there two churches there's only one I know what church is that the one built by Yahusha in the first century that's the only true church and so registering a church does not mean establishing a church what does it mean then right what does it mean to, is to register as a church? Isaiah 43, 5 to 6. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east, gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. We read a prophecy there that we are familiar with, right? What is this prophecy about? 
It's about God's work of bringing people together. You know what that's called? Assembling, right? That's what God does. He assembles people together. There's pe there are people who are the, the, the work of God assembling them. And when will this take place, this work of God assembling a group of people together? A time called ends of the earth. We know all about ends of the earth. That was fulfilled in 1914, right? And so where will it begin? In the Far East. How was this fulfilled? What do we say when we read this part of the prophecy? How was this prophecy fulfilled? When it was registered, right? When it was registered in 1914. And so when it was registered in 1914, does that mean Brother Felix Fonalo established a church? No. What did that registration mean? The registration in 1914 did not mean establishing a church. No. It just made official the bringing or assembling of God's people in the Philippines so that they can legally do religious works in the Philippines. In this case, as a corporation. So did you get that? So that's what registration means. It's to recognize officially a bringing together, an assembling of people who will be given a work to do according to the prophecy. Legally, according to the rules set up by the government. Well, how else was this prophecy fulfilled? That was the first part of prophecy. Let's go back to Isaiah 43, 5 to 6. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east. And here's another work. Gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Here's another prophecy, right? Before 1914, what was fulfilled? The bringing together, the assembly in the far east. east. That was in 1914. The assembly in 1914, can they practice legally in the far west? No. They had to be what? Registered first. This is why it was also registered in 1968. And so when the church, when they registered as a church in, in Hawaii, right? In 1968, does it mean they established a church? Then that will be two churches, not to mention Europe or Japan or Africa. You have to register again, right? So when they register, does that mean they establish a church? No. See, the registration in 1968 did not establish a church. It just made official. It made official the gathering or assembling of God's people in the United States so that they can legally do religious works in the United States. Do you get that? This is why it's not true that by registering as a church, you establish a church. No, Yahushua established a church already in the first century. What we need to do in the fulfillment of prophecy is recognize and make official the work of Yahuwah in bringing together his people. Now, we know what happened in Isaiah 43, 5 to 6. They were recognized as sons and daughters of God. That's why if you read the latter parts of five uh, of verse six, it says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Is that a blessing to be considered a son and daughter of God? Yes. See, that's the, that's the, uh, the blessing for those who are included in this work of God bringing together his people, right? But we know what happened eventually, right? We're not going to go through that now, but we know there was a small remnant because in the prophecy, it mentions 
the daughter of Zion will become like Sodom and Gomorrah. And so there's going to be a small remnant that God will set apart for himself, right? And so the prophecy is not yet done. God is not yet finished with his work. What's the proof? It's not yet judgment day. The last time this was fulfilled was what, 1968? Gathering in the West? What's the date today? 2020? Is God finished with his work? No. Is God still bringing people together even after this? Yes. Why would there be a need for God again to bring people together? Because there's going to be a turning away from the faith. And so what comes next? We read verse 6. Let's read verse 7. Bring. You get that? For God's work is bringing again an assembly of people. Bring everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I have formed and made. So according to the prophecy, what is God's continuous work? Again, it is to bring people together, to assemble people, people together, to form an assembly. But this time, what is its distinctive mark? Oh, it's a powerful one, right? What does it say? Bring, assemble everyone who is called by my name. What is that name? It is the name God created for his glory. The name Yahusha, which bears his name. This is why when Yahusha received that name, he said, my name, which is your name. Because Yahuwah's name is in the name of Yahusha. Right? This is the name of Yahusha that was given for our salvation, created for the glory of who? Of Yahuwah God. And so in this prophecy, it specifically says, everyone who is called by my name. Therefore, the duty of God's people is not just to proclaim the name of God. Have we been proclaiming the name of God? Yes or no? Yeah. Have we been proclaiming the name of Yahusha? Yes or no? Yes. Is that good? Well, absolutely. It's God's command. It's a duty. It's our duty. However, our duty is not simply to proclaim the name of God and the name of Yahusha. It also says we are to be called by that name. Everyone. If it's everyone, then it must be as a corporate body, right? Because it says everyone. This is why we need to also register as a church in the name of Yahusha so that our assembly, every one of them, officially, officially will bear the name of Yahusha and continue to conduct religious works legally in the United States. Wait a minute, brother. What is the right? What is your right? What is our right to form an assembly and be called by the name of Yahusha, proclaiming the name of Yahuwah? What is our right? Are we simply making this claim? No. What right do we have that we belong to Yahusha? Is there a prophecy we can state? Yes. Is there a prophecy that tells us that we have been given the name? And because of that name, we have been given to Yahusha. And because of that name, we, we today can assemble together as a people bearing the name of Yahusha. Oh, yes. Where can we find that? Hebrews 2, 12 to 13. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. 
Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Do we have a prophecy that tells us about our authority to assemble as a people in the name of Yahusha? Yes. Yahusha said, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. This is why when we receive that name, we now have a responsibility to proclaim that name and to be called by that name. And when we assemble as a people, we proclaim we belong to Yahusha, who is our high priest. And how does the Bible regard us? Because we have been given to Yahusha. The Bible says the children God has given me. We now belong to the household of Yerusha. Isn't that nice? We are considered now sons and daughters of God. In Isaiah 43, 5 to 7, yes, the prophecy mentions the privilege, the blessing of those who are included in that registration in 1914, 1968, are considered sons and daughters of God. Even today, we, the assembly belonging to Yerusha, the assembly of Yerusha, we bear that name, and we too are sons and daughters of God. This is why it's a great blessing to be identified with that name. Not only must we proclaim the name of Yahusha, we need to love that name so much, we're going to elevate it. We're going to promote it. We're not going to hide it. We will be identified with that name. You agree? Because we should not be ashamed of that name. Why would you not want to be identified with that name? The early Christians, the followers of Yahusha, were they identified by that name? Oh, yeah. Let's read the book of James. Chapter 2 and the verses 7. Aren't they the ones who slander Yahushua Christ, whose noble name you bear? The early Christians, what did they bear? They bear the name of Yahushua. So not only do they proclaim the name of Yahushua, they bear the name of Yahushua. They identify themselves with the name of Yahushua. What does that mean? That they bear the name of Yahushua. In another translation of James 2.7. Do they not blaspheme that noble name. Name of Yahushua. By which you are called. This is why it's our duty. It's our duty. Not just to proclaim the name of Yahushua. But also to be called. To be identified by the name of Yahushua the Christ. Yahushua HaMashiach of Nazareth. And so what does Yahushua want us to do? If we truly belong to him. Matthew chapter 10, 32 to 33, those who declare publicly that they belong to me, I will do the same for them before my Father in heaven. But those who reject me publicly because they choose to use another name, I will reject before my Father in heaven. Is that clear? What does Yahushua tell us? We must declare him publicly, right? We need to declare publicly that we belong to Yahusha. If we register as an assembly of Yahusha, when we are recognized officially as assembly of Yahusha, did we declare publicly that we belong to Yahusha? Yes. It would mean all of us, all of us would be officially identified by the name of Yahusha. That's what it means. When, you, when it says here, declare publicly, I was very interested in that, that word. And so I looked it up 
in the Greek. What, is that, what does that mean? Declare publicly. It's from the Greek word homologeo. Homologeo or logeo. Greek word 3670. What does that mean? These are different meanings. Notice the word assent, A-S-S-E-N-T, declare, declare openly. The Strong's definition specifically says to assent like covenant. What is a covenant? It's a contract, an agreement, right? An agreement. And it mentions assent, to assent. Does anyone here know what the meaning of the word to assent means? Because this uses a verb, to assent. Because Yahushua says we need to assent that we belong to him, okay? What does that mean, to assent? Here's a dic dictionary definition, an expression of approval or agreement. Express approval or agreement, typically, what's the magic word? Officially. Officially, right? This is why if you look at the Cambridge Dictionary definition, assent, it says official agreement. It means it is officially recognized by the government, right? This is why when Yahusha said, we need to declare publicly that we belong to him during our time. That means we publicly declare by making ourselves known officially that we belong to him. Does that make sense? That's what the word assent means. This is why to register as an assembly of Yahusha fulfills this very instruction of Yahusha. And Yahusha says, those who reject me publicly, I will reject before my father in heaven. This is why, brethren, we need to be recognized officially from now on, from now on, as an assembly of Yahusha, no longer hiding under any other entity. We must be openly declaring, publicly declaring, we belong to Yahusha. We register officially as the assembly of Yahusha. Well, how can we do that? Let's read Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The Bible says we are to give thanks to his name. I wanted to look at the Greek word of that because it mentions give thanks to his name. Uh, that's the Hebrew word again is what? Oh, wow. Homo logeo. What does it mean again? To ascent, to make a covenant. This is why in Hebrews 13, 15, in other translations, therefore let us through Yahusha, offer through Yahusha a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So we are to officially proclaim our allegiance to his name. And we do that by registering officially, recognized by the government, because Yahuwah God works through the government when his prophecies are being fulfilled. And so when this statement is given to us, it means we must openly proclaim allegiance to his name by being identified with his name officially and legally, assembly of Yahusha. This is why brethren, now is the time to register as a church. We're not afraid about what other people say. What we need to be concerned is concerned about is what Yahusha wants. And Yahusha wants us to proclaim his allegiance to his name, that we belong to him as an assembly 
bearing his name. Why must we proclaim allegiance to his name? Philippians 2, 9 to 11, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Why are you going to make it lower? Why are you going to make some, some other name higher? Right? Because that's above every name. Is there any other name here on earth higher or is above the name of Yahusha? Not in God's book. Right? So the name Yahusha is above every name. The name of Yahusha, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Yahusha Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is why we need to register, to elevate, to proclaim that name. Because if we will not identify ourselves officially in the name of Yahusha and we adopt another name, then we have placed the name of Yahusha underneath that name. Why would you do that? We cannot do that. When we were given this name, once that name was given to us, we should have already taken action to make sure that name is above every name and that we work based on that name. No other name, because no other name was given by which we are to be, by which we are to be saved. Our responsibility is to confess that Yahushua Christ is Lord. I want to look at that word confess in Greek. It is exomologio, Greek 1843. It means, what does it say? Agree fully to assent. Again, to declare officially that Yahusha is Lord, that we pledge allegiance to his name in an official way to be identified with his name. How can we do that? How else can we honor the name of Yahusha? Yes, we register in the name of Yahusha. How else can we honor that name? Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, Yahusha, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we do, all of our religious works, we must do in the name of who? Yahusha, not any other name. You get that? It must be by the name of Yahusha, spiritually and legally. Or officially, it must be by the name of Yahusha Hamashiach. This is why, brothers and sisters, ever since the name was given to us, ever since we began proclaiming the name of Yahuwah God and the name of Yahusha Hamashiach, do you know what I really wanted to do? I really wanted to register our group as a church ever since the beginning of 2020. Because when did we start preaching and proclaiming the name of God and the name of his son? When? We started revealing it December 2019. And we started proclaiming it January 2020. Remember that? Ever since we were given that name and we were proclaiming the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha, I spoke to some brethren. And I said to them, we need to register as a church, this time bearing the name of Yahusha. But during that time, there was resistance. You know what they said? They said, oh, we cannot do that. Because if we do that, then it would mean we built a church. What would the other people say? It would mean you establish another church. And so it was heavily resisted. And earlier this year, not too sure when, maybe at midpoint of this year, we were given a notification 
legal notification that we are not allowed anymore to use Church of Christ 1914. But of course, we won that case. But when this was a case, when we were told we cannot use Church of Christ 1914 because somebody filed a complaint against us using the name Church of Christ 1914, you know what that meant for me, right? An opportunity to suggest, let's register now as a church in Yahusha's name. I thought this would be the opportunity. At last, we're going to register as a church. No. Again, it was resisted. The brethren were not ready. And so we continued to proclaim the name of Yahuwah, proclaim the name of Yahusha. And then this date came, November 1, 2020. Special date for me because it caused me to think a lot. There was a brother who suggested, and it was funny because when he suggested, when he messaged me, I was thinking about it. And as I was thinking about it, this brother from the Far East messages me, telling me, brother, we need to register as a church bearing the name of Yahusha. And I'm going, oh, wow. <laughs> and so we discussed it. But you know what? There was resistance. We cannot do that. There's so many hindrances. It's too hard to do. And so it was dismissed again. Tabled, if you will. And so, of course, I was brokenhearted. I wanted to register. That was November 1, 2020. And so I prayed to Yahuwah Abba to give me guidance, to give me a sign. And then one sign came one after the other. And when I was preparing the Bible History Project for November 5, it just so happens. I don't think it's by coincidence, but by plan, the plan of Yahuwah God. When we were at that point, November 5, you know what the lesson was? Kadesh. Wasted opportunity. When the name of Yahusha was revealed, right? When Hosea's name was changed to Yahusha, they were to occupy the land immediately. But there was resistance too. And I began to think, oh boy, I should not listen to the majority. I should listen to my king, right? When the name is revealed to us, we have a responsibility to use that name. It was time to occupy the land and build the temple with the name of Yahusha. This is why since November 5th, after November 5th, I was really praying. And I contacted some friends who know how to set up nonprofits. And we sat together. What do we need to do? What can we do? So we contacted the lawyer. The lawyer said, it takes about two to seven months to register as a church. So I was planning that July 27, 2021, we will announce as a church of Yahusha. That was the plan initially. And so we set up the paperwork. And then the following Bible history project, untethered, right? At that point, I decided I'm going to untether myself from whatever people are saying from the past and connect myself to Yahusha. And on that date, November 12, 2020, and if you were listening, if you were listening to the past Bible studies during the one in Kadesh, you will see because there were brethren who contacted me after this Bible study and they were saying, Brother John, are you, are you going to register as a church? 
they got the message because that's, that was my decision back then during the time of Kadesh. We cannot waste the opportunity. We have to move forward. We have to occupy the land and build a temple in the name of Yahusha. And so November 12, we gave the papers to the lawyer, the lawyer, November 12, that's when we filed. And so we were expecting what, two to six months? And yesterday, what's yesterday, Tuesday, I was praying in my private quarters. And while I was praying, I hear a lot of knocking. <laughs> it was my wife, you know, was like, she, and I was saying to myself, I'm praying, doesn't she realize I'm praying? And so after I opened my eyes, you know, after the prayer, 1049, <laughs> I got the news. We were officially registered as the assembly of Yahusha. It was filed November 12. It didn't take two months or six months, two weeks, less than two weeks. On November 24, yesterday, yesterday, when I was planning this Bible study, I wasn't planning on announcing that we are already an assembly of Yahusha. <laughs> it was surprisingly fast. November 24, 2020, we were officially recognized by the state as a legal religion and could now fully, officially, legally practice our religion as assembly of Yahusha. Praises be to loving Abba. Yahusha is our king. This is why this coming Saturday, we will move our worship services to Saturdays, right? There's the Zoom ID, 961-2862-8239. Our schedule for the worship service beginning this Saturday. Saturday, 5 p.m. English. Saturday, 7 p.m. Tagalog. This is a Pacific Standard Time or California time. Okay, so please uh, do the calculations if you're from the Philippines, for example. I think this will be favorable for the Philippine audience, right? And so that's our new worship service schedule. But I believe there's something else Yahuwah God wants us to do. He has granted us what we have been praying for. Now we need to dedicate ourselves, ourselves to Yahuwah God, right? As a church, as a assembly in the name of Yahusha. So we have a special dedication worship service scheduled for December 12, 2020. It's going to be a special day. Because we will dedicate the assembly to Yehovah God, to Yahusha. We'll present ourselves as a living sacrifice, as living stones built upon Yahusha as our foundation, officially recognized and identified by the name of Yahusha, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll just have one worship service for that day. And in preparation, we have a week-long prayer, December 7 to 11 at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. In the meantime, brethren, if you have any questions about what we have discussed so far, please direct message me and we will discuss it in our next BHP Q&A. But I have a question for you as well. My question is simply this, right? Do you feel that Yahuwah God is hurrying us? <laughs> Don't you feel that? Feels like God is fast forwarding everything. I don't know about you. I'm going to ask you the following question. What have you noticed since we started proclaiming the name in January 2020? <laughs> yeah. Remember what the Bible says. When all these bad things are going to happen upon the earth, those who proclaim his name or call upon his name will be saved. So what does that alert us to? It means we're near the end. 
right? Why do you think Yahuwah God is fast-forwarding us to build this temple, this spiritual temple upon which Yahuwah will be placed? It's because there's something that's going to happen soon, I believe. I believe. Do you know what that is? In connection with the temple, what is going to happen soon? I want to read here the book of Revelation 11, 3 down to 6. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days. Clothed in sackcloth, these are two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. These men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to, to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. According to scriptures, time will come. Before the end comes, Something there's something Yahuwah is going to do. What is that? He's going to appoint how many witnesses? Two witnesses. And these two witnesses, what will be given to them? They'll be endowed by the power of God, right? And so what will they be able to do? Power to shut up the sky, power to turn waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague. We talked about this last week. Whoever these two witnesses are, they will come in the spirit and power of Moses and Elijah. Do I know who they are? I don't know. What do we know? They're going to come, right? And when they come, what are they going to do? They're going to testify. But not simply testify and proclaim. They're going to do so with power. Power that you cannot mistake with anything else but by the hand of Yahuwah God. It's going to come, right? And when they finish their testimony, they're proclaiming. What will happen? Oh boy, here it is. Are you ready? Or maybe we should just postpone this until next time. You want to read it? Yes. Let's find out. Seven to ten. Now, when they have finished their testimony, the beast, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom in Egypt where also their Lord was crucified for three and a half days. Men from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. Interesting. So these two witnesses, they will prophesy, they will preach, and they will have the power of Yahuwah to testify on their behalf. But after they finish their testimony, there's going to be a beast. And this beast will overpower and kill them. And after they die, the people will rejoice. In fact, they will rejoice so much, the Bible says they will celebrate by sending each other gifts. However, after three and a half days, what happens to them? 11, 12. But after the three and a half days of uh, and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. And so after three and a half days, what did God do? 
he breathed the breath of life into them and they resurrected. They stood up on their feet. Can you imagine that? Right? And what else did they see? They saw them coming up, ascending where? Heaven. And everyone, they were looking on. They were watching what was happening as they went up to heaven. When Yahuwah God said to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven. And so as these two witnesses were going up to heaven, what happened next? 13 and 14, at that very hour, there was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. The third woe is coming soon. What happens after the third woe? On the third woe, what happens? That is the coming of Yahusha. That's the end. And so when the, sec the two witnesses are going to begin testifying, it signals we are very close to the end of all things, right? But before, before the two witnesses are going to be sent and they begin a testimony, something Yahuwah God wants us to do first. Do you know what that is? <laughs> we got to find out. We read Revelation 11, three down to four about the two witnesses. Let's read what Yahuwah God wants us to do first. Revelation 11, one to two. Then I was given a read like a measuring, what does it say? Rod. What does rod stand for again? Symbol of what? Power, authority, pastoral care. Bible says, then I was given a read like a measuring rod. I want to pause there for a while. Who's the writer of Revelation 11, 1 to 2? Apostle John. He was instructed to do this, right? The instruction was given to Apostle John. However, when this instruction was given, how old was John? Pretty old, right? Is Apostle John still alive today? No. This is why this instruction applies to those who are represented or symbolized by the apostle John. Who are they? Those who have a measuring rod. Who are they? Those who have been given authority and power through Yahushua HaMashiach. What is the role of Yahushua HaMashiach? He is king and high priest. That would make us what? Priests, right? And so this instruction is given by God for us, for us. What does he want us to do? Which sets up what the two witnesses will do, which will bring eventually the end of all things. Bible says, and the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And so what is our responsibility now? We have been formed, right? We will dedicate ourselves as a temple of God. That's us, spiritual temple. What must we do? What is the work that we must do? Bible says, measure the temple of God. This is the assembly. God wants us to put it in order. This is why it was crucial. This is why God was 
expediting this. He wants us to put the assembly in order to bear the name of Yahushua. We are to measure with a measuring rod the temple of God. What else? Measure the altar. What is the altar referred to there? That is the altar that's inside the temple, not on the courts. That's not the altar where you give the, uh, the, the, the sacrifice, but the altar of incense inside the tabernacle or the temple. What does that represent? Worship. See, God is telling us we need to focus on developing our worship of God, right? We need to increase our level of worship of God. What else? The third part, those who worship there. The individual people who worship there needs to be measured as well. What does that mean? They need to be measured. Well, in a different translation of the Holy Scriptures, 11.1, I was given to read like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there. See, that is part of putting together the temple of Yahuwah. One of, one of the ways that we, that we do that is to count the worshipers, right? This is why we have a registration. What is the purpose of a registration? To count. I know there are some of you, brothers and sisters, who have already registered with us. We have given you a letter. If you haven't received it, you will receive it soon. In that letter, it will tell you that we have registered as an assembly of Yahusha. If you still want to remain in the registry, let us know. But if you no longer want to remain in the registry because we registered as an assembly of Yahusha or as a church, then just tell us no. No hard feelings. You know, we still love you even if you're not part of this group, okay? But if you are not yet registered at all and you want to be registered, we will give you a link so that you can be taken to this page, Assembly of Yahusha, and you can register, including everyone in your family, because we are preparing the temple of God. We're going to have our dedication worship service, and it is our hope by then we have a list, a growing list of people who will belong to the Assembly of Yahusha because we have work to do. That work is to measure the temple, to measure the altar, and to measure the individual worshipers. What does that mean? Remember when it says measure the individual worshipers, it means we will ask all of us that we will live up to the standard because that's the measuring rod. Who is that measuring rod? Who is our standard? Yahusha, right? This is why in Ephesians 4, 12 to 13, this is our work as a temple of God. This is it, Ephesians 4, 12 to 13, to prepare God's people for works of service. And so all of us are going to serve. We will have work to do so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We will measure ourselves according to the standard of Yahusha. In other words, we need to mature, we need to grow, we need to build each other up so that we can become just like Yahushua Christ. That's our work. That's what we will do. That's what we, we will focus on. And it is our hope 
But as we focus on doing that work, Yahusha will be proud of us. And so before the end comes, before Yahusha appears, when he will see us, what words do we want to hear from Yahusha? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. Revelation 3 verse 8. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Yahushua is coming back soon. He's going to appear soon. And it is our wish. When he comes back, he will say to us, I know your works. You kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Brethren, we have been given his name. Let us not deny that name. Let us promote that name, honor that name, exalt that name. One of the best ways we can do that is by publicly declaring we belong to him. To be officially identified with his name. His name, Yahusha. And by the name of Yahusha, we will keep his words and do his works to shine brightly as lights of the world. This is our work together, brethren. And it is our hope that we will join together in this work. We are the temple of God. We bear the name of Yahusha HaMashiach. We are the assembly, the assembly of Yahusha. Brethren, remember from now on, we now bear that very name of Yahusha. We are an assembly of Yahusha. Spiritually, officially, legally, we bear the name of Yahusha. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall praise and thank our Father and His Son. Everlasting Father. Yes, First of all, we did not realize how soon you will work. Yes. When we applied to register as a church, yes, Father. we did not anticipate how quickly you will act. Yes, oh, Father. But Father, we know the reason for hurrying us up. Yes, because we know as we look around us and about us, the world is falling apart. Yes, Father. You want us to organize ourselves. Yes, To build and dedicate a temple. Yes. That bears the name of your son. Amen. A spiritual temple composed of living people. Yes. Living stones. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, Thank you for giving us your name. Yes. Thank you for removing all obstacles. Yes. Hindrances one after the other. Amen. Demolished by you. Thank you for listening to our prayers. Yes. It gives us great honor to announce. Yes. At last, we are now registered. Yes. We are officially recognized and identified by the name that you have given your son. Yes. The name of Yahusha, the only name given for our salvation. Yes. If you will ask us, loving Abba, yes. we are not worthy of that name. Yes. But you have blessed us with it. Yes. And so we will do our best yes. to proclaim that name, to represent that name yes. in our works, in our services, yes. in everything that we do. Amen. May you call more people yes. 
that they will be included in this work. This is not our work, but yours. You said that we are your sons and daughters. We believe you. We have faith in you. That is why we remain standing despite the fact we face many tribulations in life. Our King and High Priest, Yahushua HaMashiach, we bear your name. Yes, yes we, we bear your name long ago yes. when we proclaimed it. But now officially and legally, we yes. are identified with your name. Thank yes. you for this privilege. Amen. Help us to live according to your standards. Yes. Help us to attain the full measure yes. that we can have you in our life, yes. guiding and directing us. Amen. Prepare us, please, for the great day of your appearing. Yes. Help us in our work together yes. as an assembly belonging to you, bearing your precious name. Amen. Listen to our cries. Listen to our pleas. There are many people throughout the world who are suffering greatly. We know the answer to all of this. The answer is you. Use us as your instruments to proclaim you mightily that people can belong to your assembly and together we will worship you and the Father. Father, please forgive all our sins. Continue to guide us and prepare us for the works that are before us in preparation for our salvation. We ask and beg everything, loving Abba, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.